Hey, this is Coco Columbia. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. This is Travis from the audio sequence. I'm Vince. I'm Boyd. This is Josh from Adverse Effects. I'm Jason Amare. This is Mike Collins from Mets, Ryan, and Collins. Hey, this is Logan Lynn. And Gino Amare. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. Happy Tuesday evening. You're listening to Sounds of PDX on Portland Radio Project. It's February, and all month long on the show, we are covering MoGo 2017 and the artists that appear. And tonight, we have very special guest, Scott Pemberton. Thanks for joining us, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. We are also joined by my co-host, Jen Emerson. How you doing? Oh, I'm great, Luke. How are you? Other than the constant cold we're dealing with. You came in <laughs> shivering. <laughs> well... <laughs> We're inside now. Uh, well, MoGo is an all-local music festival. It's got 65 acts and a ton of venues that we'll mention later. But what we're going to do in this hour is talk to Scott uh, about his tracks. We've got uh, songs from both his latest release, Timber Rock and Sugar Mama. And the first one I'll play for the audience is uh, Elbow Grease. Um, is this a song that, well, let me ask you, where does the riff come from? And is this a song that usually gets a great response from the crowd? Yeah, the, I think it does. We, we, it's one of our songs we like to play most every show. And I don't know, I think this song just sort of appeared like a lot do the just sort of the groove in the main chorus. Just sort of I was I was actually like getting ready to go on a tour. This was, a you know, before I don't know what year what re we released this in 2015, 15. So it must have been late 14. And I was trying to get us ready to go out of town. I was jogging. I had to run from the mechanic back to the house because the van needed work and it was snowing. The song came and it was like. Because how do you get where you want to be? It was like I was having to bust to get us out of town. Hence so, the elbow grease. Yeah. I was it, like getting it done. It's the only one way to do it. <laughs> well, if you are not familiar with Scott's music, be prepared. Expect the unexpected. He blends a ton of genres together and really has no rules. So stick around with us. We've got Scott until 8 p.m. here on Sounds of PDX.
That's Scott Pemberton here on Portland Radio Project. That's Elbow Grease, a track from his latest release, Timber Rock. And uh, I want to give him the proper introduction um, based on your website. People have called you the Bruce Lee of rock and roll, a modern day Jimi Hendrix, and a wildly creative virtuoso. And I would completely agree. Thanks. The first thing I saw of yours when it was recommended, I went online and it was an eight minute video. You doing your thing and, you know, you pulled the guitar and you threw it on a, a stool you're playing it you know slide style like I've got a, a soft spot in my heart for Jeff Healy and um, Ben Harper and you just have this amazing collaboration of, of music and influences so where does that come from who are some of your earlier influences you know my early early music for me was that like as a kid there wasn't really music in our house other than church music my parents were like insulated us from that it was like the devil's tool type <laughs> right. of thing which I think made it so when I did hear it on the radio or it was just had such a huge impact. Like I would just and then I would I would sing the snippets of the little hooks that I heard, but I would have it all wrong because I'd heard it like for 10 seconds or something. <laughs> so they would evolve into their own little thing. So I was kind of like having to paint my own music in my head. Huh. And so I don't know. I think that then when I was in high school, I was, you know, it was either kick me out of the house or let me listen to and play music, which, you know, uh, I think they made the right choice and we're still very close. Good. They were very supportive. You know, they're just, my folks were just raising me the best that they knew how, you know? Yeah. Where uh, then when they saw this music thing was the way I was going to go, they were supportive of that. Yeah, it would be much comforting to, to send you to college. It's a lot easier than saying, hey, go be a rock star. Yeah. Enjoy the road. Yeah. So, you know, and then when I discovered, like, I was so ready for music, it was like, you know, like the grunge thing was going on in the Northwest. And so it was like a perfect time to sort of be unleashed. And then, uh, you know, discovering Jimi Hendrix. And shortly after that was jazz, which I was a total like jazz monk for a while, totally into it. And you've got both of those. Your guitar tones are so good. Like I love the sonic quality. It reminds me of a bunch of great guitars, but you've got this vintage blues. I mean, sometimes it sounds like a screaming Marshall or then a clean Fender, you know, you've got, so what's your rig like? How many guitars do you usually have on stage with you? One. <laughs> One? Yeah. Do you do alternate tunings? No. Okay. I drop D sometimes. Okay. But I'm, I'm a, it's like just an old, I actually travel with two guitars now because if I have one that I play, but if it goes down, then I don't have any guitar. They're both 1972 Gibson 335s. They're set up exactly the same by a tech in Portland, Jim, at Guitar Works. He sets them up great. And then if one goes down, I have one that's about as close to exactly the same as you could be. Because you know the infamous story of Stevie Ray Vaughan having that light rig fall yeah. on all of his guitars during soundcheck. Oh, that would gosh. be such a bummer. Yeah, he was yeah, wild. Yeah, so I have one, and then I, and then I play through a, um, it's a 1968 Bandmaster with its original cab. So it's huge. If you've seen those, like the, it's a 212 cabinet that looks like 612s. Yeah, tank. Yeah, but and I've tried to switch to smaller units, but it just sounds great. It carries, there's no ports, they're totally sealed cabinets, so it carries a ton of low end. Wow. So you can get those really meaty tones. It, and then in a smaller format like I'm in, where, you know, in the band right now, it's like guitar, percussion, bass, drums. So I don't have to compete with other guitars, keyboards, things like that. So it's like I can encompass a very wide frequency. Hmm. It's like I can take those low frequencies without making the band sound muddy. It's nice too. They're later in the in the record really well. Um, the next track we're gonna play is it's Greg, right? Grieg. Grieg. 
and it's off of Timber Rock. Before we hop into it, explain why you called the record Timber Rock. This is kind of cool. Well, my friend Tinker, who actually did the art on Timber Rock, it was kind of his idea where the everything's so Portland, where I have just was born and raised here, and I've cut my teeth in jazz here, in rock and grunge. I've played almost all the venues, and and it's all just there nestled into the region. It seemed like a nice way, because it, it is all the styles in the region that, well, I guess a lot of them not. Yeah, really, but. it feels very encompassing of the Northwest. Yeah, I think that's kind of the idea. And then he, he had, a, there's a cool logo that we have with the tree, guitar tree thing. Yeah, it's They're cool. on your t-shirt. The artwork is fantastic on the records, too. You've, you've got great style. And, and the uh, I think the eclectic vibe of, especially the cover of Sugar Mama, really fits the sound of your records. Yeah. Um, so as we're moving on in the playlist here, Grieg, um, and then we're going to be playing Space. Now, what does Grieg mean to you? Where did this song come from? It's like an adaptation of a Grieg melody, Grieg the composer, and it's like we made it into a surf song. And I was just going through this old songbook, and I just found this dope melody, <laughs> and I reharmonized it to make it, you know, Phrygian. If you're a nerd, it's Phrygian. And... Uh, Spanish Phrygian to be more specific. And so it has a cool surfy tone. And actually, I like that you picked going to space because they fit nicely together. We often program them that way. That's awesome. Well, good. I, uh, I love them back to back, and we're going to play them now. Again, we've got special guest Scott Pemberton in studio with us. Hit us up on the talk board. Say hello to myself, Jen, or Scott. We'll be listening to his tunes until 8 p.m.
That is Space by Scott Pemberton. He's my special guest tonight here on Sounds of PDX. We have our Mogo artist and want to give a quick shout out to PDX Spotlight. Uh, you can see Glasses and the Secret Sea right now, but we've got Wim Grace coming up, Pretty Gritty, Umbrascatu, Adverse Effects, and Coco Columbia. So thanks for joining us tonight. We've got Scott until 8 p.m. So earlier, Luke was telling me that you were teaching at Lewis and Clark College and Reed College at the age of 21. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you what got you started doing that, especially at the tender age of 21. Yeah, yeah I guess it was like a, a natural path. Like when I was at, I went to Mount Hood. They had a super cool music program. They probably still do. I haven't really kept that close in touch. But I was studying the guitar very seriously, and some of the other students would ask about studying with me. Nice. And then the dean of the music department accredited me while I was a student. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So I was teaching guitar at Mount Hood, and I became close friends with Dan Balmer. He was, like, I would consider him one of my most important mentors, our local jazz hero, Dan Balmer. Um, and I had done some teaching with him at jazz camps, and he recommended me to Lewis and Clark. And then on his recommendation and with my accreditation already that I had in Oregon, they just hired me. <laughs> and then read word of mouth like I was good at Lewis and Clark and the kids liked me and they were doing well. And then Reed just hired me from there. So Did they poach you or uh, did you work at both of them simultaneously? For a short time, Reed worked out better for me because of just where it was located. I've, all, I've lived in this neighborhood for a long time. We're in southeast Portland where getting to Lewis and Clark was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. getting, to, getting to Mount Hood Community College was kind of a bummer. And for a long phase of my life, I was car free. I just went everywhere on a bicycle and yeah. before touring. And so like just Reed was just two and a half miles from my house. So That's a heck of a hill over there by Reed though. It is a heck yeah. of a hill, but it can be avoided. <laughs> you know, if you're when you ride a bicycle a lot, you get really used to the topography of our city and oh, yeah. the best ways to go. So you don't end up riding up Woodstock. We had a quick shout out on the talk board. Somebody said, love the space tune. Uh, thanks for chiming in and talking to us and Scott Pemberton. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention is that uh, through all of your training and, and teaching and uh, listen up kids, if you work hard at the guitar, you can, uh, like Scott, get a number one in Portland's pop charts, and you were also number four on Billboard charts in Canada. Uh, congratulations to you on that. So the Canadian charts um, was kind of a, a particular chart. Um, the, it's a Canadian Billboard. Uh, I didn't even know song. about that. Yeah. For, That's news to me. Yeah, you won some festival awards as well. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll send you a link, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we were on the Billboard Tastemaker chart in Portland, or in, in the United States, uh, shortly after, I think it was a release of Sugar Mama. Cool. And then, yeah, Canada, that's cool. We played their International Jazz Festival a couple times. Awesome. Maybe it was related to that, yeah. which was kind of interesting playing this music at a jazz festival. Yeah. But, but I bet people were into it. Yeah, they were. Yeah, totally. That's one of the nice things. The music is diverse enough that, like, what do you call it? So we find ourselves playing, you know, rock festivals and blues festivals, jam band festivals, and even jazz festivals. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's tough to pigeonhole you. I can't imagine the, sometimes a struggle your booking manager has trying to tell people what you sound like. Yeah, it's true. That's like a benefit and a curse. Is that the saying? I don't know. There's some saying that goes along with that. But yeah. A blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. There yeah. you go. Where, yeah, it's hard to define, which makes us unique. We'll stand out at a blues festival 
just after you hear so much blues, then you hear us, and it's very similar, but it's not exactly the same. It's kind of refreshing. So that's helpful. But then on the other hand, we're not blues, so you don't, you don't get, like, Alligator Records banging our door down for us to release <laughs> records with them, you know? Sure. Yeah. So it's like a... It is what it is. It's the music that the universe gives me, you know, so it's what I do. And so the, the universe gave you a really killer song called One Time. That's also off your latest release. How did this one come to you? I guess we were talking earlier when that track was playing about just, like, sharing thoughts and ideas and... I, th I think that it's like in my day to day a good way to try to behave because it's like the like days especially you know we were talking about touring too it's like day it's like you get into a string of habits where one day goes to the next and if you do something one way one day chances are you're going to do it the same way the next day you know so it's like just might as well do the right thing hmm. nice make the right thing a habit I love it sometimes it's not always the easiest thing to do it's usually not yeah so you have to mindfully do the right thing Wise words from Scott Pemberton. He is my special guest, and he is playing Friday, March 3rd at Star Theater for MoGo. He'll be sharing the stage with Redwood Sun and Tony Smiley. We've got two more tracks from him right now. We've got One Time, An Awfully Nice Day, coming up here on Sounds of PDX. <laughs> Thank you. 
Scott Pemberton here on Portland Radio Project. Awfully nice day. If you're enjoying us in the Portland area, you're on 99.1 FM KSFL LP Portland. Or if you're streaming us to your mobile device or PRP.FM, say hello on the talk board. Uh, we've been listening to Scott's original music all night because he's playing at MoGo uh, 2017 on Friday, March 3rd at Star Theater. Great venue. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, it's been fun. So talk a little bit about how you got kind of your songs used in advertising, Nike, Coke, Jaguar, NASCAR. Um, did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did you 
most of that, that most of that was like a local music house and friend of mine where it would be like collaborative writing. Nice. We're like commissioned songs. Yeah. More than these songs. It's like these songs have been used in a few things, but like most of that, the NASCAR series was like we would write stuff okay. for this this series of ads. It was really, really fun. It's fun work because it's like behind the scenes stuff. They're only 30 second songs. Yeah. You're kind of writing in a style you don't usually play in. So super fun stuff to do. Yeah. The touring that I do now, I don't do nearly as much of that work because it's, ver it's all super like they need it yesterday mm. type of thing. It's yeah. like you have to be able to just drop what you're doing and go do it, which doesn't really work on tour. So percentage-wise, what would you say? Because you, you mentioned uh, touring quite a bit. What would you say the percentage of your shows are uh, festivals versus club dates? Well, it depends on the time of year. Okay. It's so like during the summer, you know, that's more like what we consider like festival season where it'll be like, you know, more like 60-40 mm. or even 60% festivals or maybe even 75-25, something like that. Because then we will center all our club plays around festivals. Or at times it might even be almost 100%. Mm. And then during the winter and fall, spring, it's more like club touring. And let's uh, give a shout out to that real quick. You're going on tour uh, here in about a week or so. You're going to be playing dates in uh, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New York, uh, also Delaware. Um, this was mostly club dates. Yeah, there's exactly there's a festival, a blues festival in Pennsylvania, the Lancaster Roots and Blues Festival. It's bringing us out. And then once we get out there, we're touring. Well, that's great. That's a lot of times when we tour the East Coast, it's kind of like you get what you, you know, like a date that, that wants you, and then you build stuff around it. What are some of your favorite festivals that you're hitting on the regular now? Uh, often festivals like to change it up. Mm. I would say High Sierra, we've played, you know, four years in a row. That would probably be my favorite. I think you won an award at last year's yeah, High maybe. Sierra for one of the best live acts. Oh, yeah, jam bass. Yeah. Yeah, standout artist or something like that. That was nice. Congrats on that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so for young musicians who don't know, give us a day in the life of a tour. What should somebody expect if they want to do this for a living? Well, honestly, one thing to expect is all the work that you do before you go on tour. It's like once you're on tour, it's the easy part, hmm. at least as band leader, which is the role that I'm in, all the or staying where you're going, routing the shows, trying to keep things close together, making sure everybody's going to be able to eat, you know, and having a vehicle that runs. Once you're on tour, it's pretty, it's pretty nice. I like it. It's like a practice Good guitar. We have a, we have a nice little bus. Practice guitar, drive a little, listen to tunes, work on the computer. You got to do your load in. It's usually early, 4 o'clock. You do load in, sound check. Sometimes there's support bands. Sometimes we are the support band. That changes all that. Then hopefully your dressing room is pretty well stocked. You have some water and snacks, maybe a meal. Be then nice, you, right? Then you, and then hopefully you have time to like chill for a minute before you go on stage, which sometimes is the case, sometimes isn't. You play your show, and then you go to your hotel or a homestay if you have friends in the area. And then it's like rinse and repeat. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And hopefully, you know, sometimes the drives are super chill and you only have to go like two or three hours to someplace incredible. You have time to like, we get to do all sorts of fun stuff, go rafting, skiing, you know. And, and then other times it's just like brutal, get up early, drive for eight hours, barely make the show, you know. So it's like... Uh, it can go either way. Yeah. <laughs> All the ways. You can count on it. And one thing on tour, also, you just have to absolutely be ready for something you're not ready for. 
So like being as organized as possible with everything you know is going to happen because there's always going to be things that happen that you didn't know were going to happen. Hmm. And so you're going to need space in your brain and everything to be able to organize whatever. Like the last tour was like every one of those you could have thrown at us was happening. It was like one of those tours, hmm. like a snowstorm in Portland. It was like blowing transmission, bed bugs, flat tires, two snowstorms, like getting lost in the stolen venue. equipment. We were recording this upcoming album. The whole hard drive that the album was on was stolen. No. Yeah, like halfway through the tour, just like the computer we were recording on was also like part of that little theft. It was just like a, that was, or another tour, it's just like Daisy and Roses and everything's great and you get free skiing three days in a row, you know? So, <laughs> so That's a lesson. Be ready for anything. Yeah, too. and it's like rafting. Just remembering that the rapids are the fun part. It's the part you look back on and think we're cool. Just sitting there flat, coasting along, isn't the memorable part necessarily. So. Nice. I yeah, like that analogy. That's great advice. Um, so let's move along in the playlist. Dear Prudence is a song that I love this album version, but if... Uh, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen it, go online, go to YouTube, check out. There's like an eight and a half minute version. That's really great. Uh, what's kind of the, the inspiration for this track? Gosh, you know, I think in the early days of starting to do SP3, which was the first incantation of this band, I think it was Jai Tanzer's idea. He thought it would be a cool tune to just try. And so we started playing it and it just evolved into what it is now. Um, so I think it was Jai's idea. Thanks, Jai. That's cool. So you played different versions before you eventually tracked it for Timber Rock? Yeah. I mean, all the stuff that's on a studio album has been played. I don't think that I've gone into the studio yet with songs for that album. We play them live. They evolve. They get to where, what I say, they have legs under them. They're like little baby deer. And once they become, you know, giant stags, we'll put them on the album. Hmm. I love we, that analogy. We let the baby deer stay like we put that in the fourth or fifth song during a show until it gets some strength. I don't know. That's just the way it's been. That's, not, that. that's, that's the way it works for me. That's the way it's worked so far. Maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's working, Scott. Yeah. It's so, working. <laughs> so this Dear Prudence is, you know, the course of us playing it live for three years or something. <laughs> this is a fantastic version. So check it out. This is off of Timber Rock, Scott's latest release. And you can catch him Friday the 3rd of March at Star Theater for MoGo. Stick around. We've got Scott Pemberton until 8 p.m.
East Bar Line by Scott Pemberton here on Sounds of PDX. I love that track, man. It makes me want to move. I know Thank that's you. why you wrote it that way. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. We were talking briefly off there about some of your um, personal feelings about creating music and the, and the way you approach it. And I'd like to have you share this with some of the listeners. How do you um, view just like the purity of music? Because we live in such a digital age with music. I feel like like raw, organic music... Or the art of making music is slightly harder to find, maybe. Uh, everything's a little bit more careful and calculated often. Mm-hmm. Um, where the art of, in, in pop music, at least popular music in rock, where there isn't as much improvisation. And so, I don't know. I think it's refreshing to go out and do it and rock in an improvisational way. You said, too, that your recording style, you mostly track everything live in the live room, and that's really the only way to capture it. I mean, we all know drummers who can play to a click, and and there's that thing, and you could still kind of make it feel real, but there is something. I mean, the the way your guitars sound, the way the drums sound, everything feels live because it is. And, And like you said, I think that's something that's really lost these days. I don't think to anybody's fault, you know, if there's a kid who only has... $1,500 $1,500 and they're making records with sampled drums, you know, I understand that. However, if you could get a, a Neve board and go tape to tape. Yeah. Well, not? and it's a natural progression of art. And it's not like humanity's creative creativity is diminished in any way. It's like people just make art with the tools they have, you know, mm-hmm. where with that, with, well, and, you know, it's like any more the tools to be able to do what we're doing and record live are not that hard to come by either. True. At this point. Yeah. So I think that the art will move that direction again as those tools become more attainable. Yeah, but I talked to a lot of people that want to press records and they mm-hmm. find that digital recordings just don't translate. You know, if they go and do a tape to tape, that's yeah. the vinyl. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. I don't know. Uh, going to right into tape is just it sounds good. It does. It's like old guitar, old amp to tape. It's hard to beat. It worked for years. Sounded yeah. great for years. Yeah. Uh, so to put together something where you're, you know, recording and gelling in the studio, that obviously translate uh, to the stage, and for you, the opposite, because you've mm-hmm. tested it there. Um, what are your views on capturing a great live performance? Because next on the list, uh, we've got uh, Water. Uh, it's a live recording, because you, like you said earlier, you're uh, putting together a live record. So what do you think about as an artist, and what's your, uh, I guess, your mission to the band to perform a song like this? I mean, once the idea of making a live record this time around is, I, I feel like, like we were talking about the raw improvisation and the, the taking risks. I, I feel like when the band's road worthy and road worn, I mean that in a positive way, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you can take those types of like you, like you would in a studio, but when you're doing it live, you've got an audience, you've got all the energy, you've got the uh, the the music is performed differently. And I love listening to like even some of the super rugged like Hendrix live recordings. And even though sometimes I'm not even sure he's playing the guitar or what he's doing, it's just like a bunch of noise. Just like the energy of all of that, I just think is really cool. And so with this live album we're making, I really don't want it to be too clean, you know. I don't know if I want it to be as raw as Jimi Hendrix live at Winterland, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm totally cool. That's been one of the challenges of, of honing in on the tracks is like the bumps and bruises and stuff that are just going to be there. Which ones to accept as beauty marks and which ones to be like, no, I don't think I like that one. Because mm-hmm. we recorded a whole tour and, I, you know, you can only fit 
70 minutes. If we want to put this on vinyl, you know, really 45, it's going to be too long for that digitally. But you can only pick so many things on there, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting process. And tracking every night, like you said, it's it's probably a little taxing to go back and figure out which performance you'd like to put on the record. Yeah, that's like been my winter break. That's what I've been <laughs> doing, which has been really interesting. Like sometimes I absolutely love the band, and sometimes I just like I don't want to ever hear our music ever again. And then <laughs> and then twenty minutes later, I just think it's cool. It's it's been a far out little roller coaster ride, but it's coming to the end. I really think I'm honing in on the tracks, and then uh, hopefully we'll have this in people's hands in the spring. Jen Scott sent me a couple of tracks, and he warned me that they were rough and unmixed, but they sound awesome. Cool. Man. Yeah, these are unmixed. So once Brian, who also mixed Timber Rock, and he helped engineer Sugar Mama and SP3, he'll get his hands on it. It'll sound cooler. So if it sounds cool now, it's going to get better. Well, it does sound wait. very cool. Uh, yeah, this is killer. This is Water Live by Scott Pemberton. Stick around. We've got one more song with him, some goodbyes, and then we've got Haley Johnson at 8 p.m. Build to an ocean, you know we can move anything. 
That is a live track by Scott Pemberton. He's been my special guest all evening because he is at MoGo March 3rd at Star Theater. Dude, again, for live, unmixed tracks, you guys just, you're dialed in. Nice, thanks. Yeah. Sounds great, yeah. dude. I've uh, really enjoyed having you here. Um, just an hour spent with you, but listening to tracks from Timber Rock. If you don't have it, that's Scott's uh, latest release, that, and also Sugar Mama. I think your th first record's also available on iTunes and, mm -hmm. and at your yeah. website. SP3. And we just, just like yesterday, getting ready for this new record, all the stuff's up digitally for Spotify and whatnot. Do we have an ambiguous release date for your live record? Not really. Okay. I was hoping to actually have it ready for this March 3rd, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I won't put you on the spot. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking for as soon as possible. Spring, so. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll have to have you back on and yeah, showcase some of those sweet. tracks. I'll let you Absolutely. know when that's getting ready to come out. Let's that'd be great. Set it up. Well, before we let you go, Jen, do you have any last questions for Scott? Oh, I just wanted to tell you how inspiring it was to talk to you this oh, whole thanks. time, though. I don't have... Uh, I don't think we have enough time for all the questions I might have to plumb the depths. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Sure. Thanks again for being here. Uh, the next track we're going to be playing is No Goodbye for Friends. And this is also a, another live track. Yeah. Um, just fantastic. Um, this is, so tell us about this one. Any insight before we let you go? The chorus, I mean, a lot of my songs, they just sort of come. You get the little melody. And I really liked the concept. It's like a, for, you know, when, when you don't want to have to say goodbye, it's maybe there isn't such a thing kind of idea whether mm. it's friends at a festival or loved ones or a dog or something <laughs> yeah. that's that was sort of my thought so the first verse is a little more surrounding more like the family side of things and the second is more like a festival festival nice. situation there was a festival that verse sort of came from pennsylvania where we played like an all-night type thing oh wow which is somehow times we end up doing that in pennsylvania so you're heading back there. Yeah. Maybe you'll have another one. Not this time, but you never know. <laughs> you right. never know. Well, Scott, thanks again for being here. And, and having said what you just said, we won't say goodbye. No. Uh, so this is No Goodbye for Friends here on Sounds of PDX. Stick around. We've got Haley Johnson from 8 to 9 p.m.
When I feel 